Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. We start in the name of Allah, Rahman, Rahim. We we'll pray to Allah, Rabbul Alameen, and may the peace and blessings be upon Muhammad, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, upon his family, his companions, and upon all those who follow the path of Haq, the path of truth, until the day of judgment. And we do dua to Allah, Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, inshallah, all of us gathered here today, our families, our close friends, will be upon this path, inshallah. Um, it's always useful to start this discussion with a comparison which we often use from the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he mentioned that holding on to Islam there'll come a time when holding on to Islam will be like holding on to hot coals of fire and I remember 20 years ago we were discussing this hadith and saying you know, now is the time and then next generation comes no now is the time this hadith is applicable and today, now we're saying, now is the time this hadith is applicable. And subhanAllah, 1200 years ago, also at that time they were saying, this hadith is applicable. And the reality is, we see the cycle of events. That the life, the role, the situation of the Muslims is becoming increasingly difficult. Domestically, regionally, internationally. We don't need to give any examples. These examples are probably at the tip of your tongues. We only need to just research to see what's going on, what's going on in Burma, what's going on here domestically in terms of the prevent program. A lot of issues with regards to how we safeguard our children, our identity, how we hold on to the connection to the Ummah as one Ummah. And we see the pressures increasing day after day. And what we should take from this is that yes, the challenges are increasing. And therefore the responsibility upon our shoulder is also increasing. But the flip side we should always remember and never forget that as difficulty increases, as hardship increases, then the victory is getting closer. And this is the Sunnah of the Prophets. This is the Sunnah of Muhammad So really we should recognize that this responsibility that we're going to talk about in terms of the mission of Prophet Muhammad and to be honest, I haven't heard a better Introduction to any of my talks and the, what the brother gave, mashallah. Maybe we should switch. But really, this really encapsulates this responsibility. That we got to realize that in times of difficulty, we have to shine. We have to be resilient. We have to stand upon what we believe in, which is this deen. And there is nothing better than this deen. And there's no better example than the example that was given to us by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the best of creation. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So when we, once we put this down as a basis, then we can really establish very quickly what was the mission of the Prophets. Plural, what was the mission of the Prophets? Which includes Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And we had to summarize this. We could summarize it with what I call the four Ps. Present, preserve, Persevere and patience. All the prophets 
came and presented a message. Presented a message. Number two, they preserved the message that they were ordered to deliver and to present to the people. They preserved it. They never cut and paste, delete, add, nothing. They preserved it as it was. Whatever the temptation, whatever the difficulty, whatever the hardship, they persevered. Yeah. So they preserved the message without changing it and they persevered upon the message irrespective of the difficulty. And fourthly, they were patient waiting for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's victory. This was consistent in the mission of all the prophets. To present a message, to preserve a message, to persevere upon the message, and to be patient in delivering the message upon the victory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now the unique thing about the mission of Muhammad sallallahu you can encapsulate into three elements. Number one, there is no message after the message that came with Prophet Muhammad It was the last message. And it's a message that will live until the very last day. So there's nothing to come after it. Number two, this message came to be established. Not upon an individual, not upon a community, not upon a society, not upon the morality of people, but it came to be established upon the world as an authority to take the whole of mankind from the darkness to the light. It came for authority. Very, very important. And number three, it made us the inheritors of this responsibility. And that really will be when we go on to discuss the last of my three points I want to make. That we are the inheritors of this mission and this responsibility. Got to be very clear about this. The commonality of the mission for all the prophets, you can mention in these four P's, but the uniqueness of the message that came to Rasulullah, which we inherit, it is until the end of time. It is to come as an authority, a political authority. Let's not mince our words, let's call a spade a spade. It came for this purpose alone to take people out of the darkness by establishing a political authority that will cover the entire globe. And we own this responsibility today. It's upon our shoulders. Whoever says, La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah, owns this responsibility. Because that is the contract that we made with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that we will worship Him alone. Not in some matters, but in all matters. That we will not turn to anybody else, but Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. In all matters. That He is a reference in all of our issues. That He will be our judge in all of our affairs. And that can only be true when this Islam is established as an authority. If we have this as a foundation, I'm just going to make three points about the mission from Mecca to Medina and beyond. I know it sounds a bit like Toy Story, but that isn't the case. So what are the three points I, I just want to focus upon? Number one, 
let's clarify and let's be sure what this mission is. Yeah. Because many people say Islam came in order to bring morality to mankind. Islam came to elevate the individual. When we look to the life of Rasulullah what was his character? What was he defined to be? What, what, what was he known as? Al-Amin, correct? The, the, honest, yeah. the most honest person, the most trustworthy person. Jazakallah Maybe you should come and give the talk. Yeah, he was called Al-Amin. This was before the message. This was before his mission. When his mission came, what was his label? <laughs> the soothsayer, the liar. They called him many, many things. The quality of being Alani was never removed. But it was never the focus anymore. If truly he came for this purpose, that character would never change. And it never changed. This famous incident that we may recount, some people talk to us about it. They say, oh brother, do you remember the case where there was his neighbor, this lady. She always used to put rubbish outside of his door. And one day, she didn't. And the Prophet was concerned. And he inquired about her. That she was, and found that she was ill. And she was astonished. How could this man, who I used to put rubbish outside his front door, be worried and concerned about me? And the comment is, this showed about his morality, mashallah, how moral he was. How caring he was as a person. But nobody asked the question. Why did she throw rubbish outside of his front door? Why? Was it because he was evil, he was nasty? That wasn't the reason why at all. What was the reason she did this? It's because the ideas he came with. His character had never changed. But what changed were the ideas he presented to the people. So let's be very, very clear. Rasulullah came to complete morals as part of his mission to establish a deen, an entire deen. When the hadith came, إِنَّ اللَّهَ زَوَالِ الْأَرْضِ فَرَأَيْتُ مَشَارِقُهَا وَمَغَارِبُهَا فَرَأَيْتُ And Rasulullah is saying, Allah has shown you all of the east and all of the west. Yeah. And my ummah will have authority over all that I have seen. My ummah will have authority of all that I have seen. That's talking about the entire world. The hadith of Rasulullah Sallallahu I've been ordered to fight the people until they declare the shahada. And when he established Islam in Medina, he didn't sit and say, Mashallah, I've got the deen. He looked to expand that authority. To expand the rahmah of Islam, the light of Islam upon the earth. This was the mission of Rasulullah Let's be very, very clear about this. And this is the say that exists today. Not amongst the wider society. This say is out of ignorance. This is the say of those in power. Because they don't want to see their own power be eroded. Their greed usurped. This is their fear. Because they see Islam as an alternative, which is what we have to present. Point number two. This mission, its reality has never changed. Because this mission to establish the deen requires certain steps. And these certain steps is what we consider to be a method. 
How do we establish salah? There is a method how to establish the salah. How do you do hajj? There is a method on how to do hajj. How do we establish this mission? There is a method in how to establish this mission. And let's be clear about the second point. The reality hasn't changed. People say, but, but Burhan, look, 1400 years ago, there was only Rasulullah And there was no state. But today it's different. Now we have 1.7 billion Muslims. And we have many Muslim states. So the reality has changed. Therefore surely our steps must change. This is wrong. Because the reality hasn't changed. The reality hasn't changed for three reasons. Number one, at the time of Rasulullah the land, the reality, was all Darul Kufr. A land where Islam had not been established. A land where Islam wasn't existing as a ruling system. And the whole focus was a transformation from Darul Kufr, a land of non-Islam, to a land of Islam, Darul Islam. The reality exists today. There is no land of Islam. The reality is clear globally. There is only a land of Kufr, even where the Muslims are the majority. Like barking or East Ham. So <laughs> 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 White Chapel. No, no. Where Muslims are the majority. Because the rules governing those, those countries, those governments, are not based from Islam exclusively and alone. The authority and the security is not in the hands of the Muslims. And the ruling is not according to Islam. So the reality is exactly the same. Number two, even though we have 1.7 billion Muslims today, the focus of the da'wah 1400 years ago is exactly the same because the struggle was the struggle of ideas. It was a struggle of ideas. And today it is a struggle of ideas. Because when somebody wants to undertake an action, he will take an action based upon the idea he is convinced of. And the Muslim world is rampant with ideas which are not from Islam. Which have become gods. Like nationalism, like patriotism, like democracy, like the system being implemented. These are ideas that need to be completely torn apart. This is the ideological struggle, the struggle of ideas. This was the same 1400 years ago. So the method doesn't need to be because the reality is exactly the same. And the third part is to secure a deen. You need to have the people of power. That will never change. Every society is secured by people who have influence, people who have the security. That was there 1400 years ago. That is there today. It will be still be there tomorrow. That reality doesn't change. So this argument that the reality is different is wrong. The reality is exactly the same. Therefore, the way to establish the mission has to be exactly the same. Point number two, linked to this argument. The argument comes, brother, you know, the way you're doing it, there must be a more efficient way, a quicker way to do it. It's like, brother, is there a quick way to pray? Is there a quick way to do hajj? Maybe we can just pray one rakah, mashallah, that'd be very quick. Maybe we don't even need to pray just today. Allahu Akbar. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah. MashaAllah. That could be very quick, MashaAllah. Or even just with the blink of the eye. I mean, that is quick. 
But being quick doesn't make it right. This argument, this should be, this must be a quicker way, a more efficient way. No, 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 no. The most efficient way and the quickest way can only be the way of the Prophet Because the focus isn't about being quick. The focus is about fulfilling a responsibility according to the method of Islam. Therefore our focus is how quick we are to adhere to this method. How quick we are to adhere to the responsibility. And how we are patient and how we persevere upon this method. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will account us for what? The outcome? Allah will account us only for our effort. Because the result is in not your hands, it's not in my hands. It's in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. So therefore this method doesn't need to change. The mission is fair, the method doesn't need to change because we don't need to be fast or we don't need to be slow. We just need to adhere to the method of Islam alone and nothing else. And the third aspect of point number two, very quick. We need to be very clear, we distinguish between method and a style on the one hand and objective and the method on the other hand. Let me just quickly just work through this very, very clearly, just so we're very clear about this. Method and style. Rasulullah he addressed people on Mount Safa. Correct? He addressed the Quraysh on Mount Safa. Rasulullah he also addressed people by knocking on their doors. Rasulullah also addressed people standing by the Kaaba and addressing when the people would come for pilgrimage. He would address them. Question. These actions of Rasulullah should we emulate them? Should they be our actions? Should we do exactly the same? Is this part of the method of the mission to establish the deen and to expand the deen? Because we say this is method, what we are saying is that we have to do exactly the same. So either we have to go to Mount Safa, if you get a visa, or you have to find the highest mountain somewhere in this part of the world. I have no idea where that would be in, in the east part of London. And you have to address the people. And you have to address them in Arabic. Good luck. Yeah. Or you knock on people's door, which we, no doubt we, which we can do. Or you stand by the corner of the Kaaba and you address the people. Good luck. Yeah. These are styles. If we make them method, we have huge issues. And I remember once upon a time I met a brother in central London. MashaAllah, he was a revert to Islam. Alhamdulillah, Allah gave him hidayah, he became Muslim. And he loved the deen so much. We got into a bit of a, uh, a discussion, let's call it the word discussion. He said, Wallahi akhi, Wallahi akhi, I want to follow the sunnah as Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi I said, Wallahi brother, we all want to. He goes, no brother, I mean, no, purely. I said, what does it mean purely? I'm sure all of us want to do this purely. He goes, no, 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 no. Rasulullah, he rode on a horse. I want to ride on a horse. I said, brother, but we have the bus, we have the tube. No, no, brother, this is not the sunnah. We have to follow the example. We have to ride on a horse. And when people start discussing like this, it means there is this confusion between what is the style and what is the method. Today, a style, instead of Mount Safa, you do lectures. Instead of Mount Safa, Maybe you do demonstrations. 
instead of Mount Safa, maybe you, you, you know, rent a hall and you, and you have a discussion. This could be the equivalent, it's a stone. Instead of standing on the doorstep of the Kaaba, maybe you're addressing people in a Juma Khutbah. Instead of knocking on people's door, which you can do because that's something which we can do, maybe you're distributing leaflets. These are styles. Styles today are like, I know everyone besides me, because I'm an old man, is on social media nowadays. You know, Facebook and Twitter. These are styles available that you can employ in order to achieve, achieve a method. So the question becomes, what is the method? Which we'll mention in a second. So we've got to have the distinction very, very clear to understand the mission of Rasulullah Wasallam and what we need to also follow in the life of the mission of Rasulullah And the second element, the distinction between method and objective. I want to get married. That is my objective. Is my method to go to my potential father and I say to him, do you declare the shahada? If not, will you become zimni? And if you not, be prepared because I come to fight you for your daughter. I mean, that is a method. But for the complete wrong objective, would you agree? Yeah? If I want to do hajj, and I learn the ahkam of nikah, it's not going to help me much. My objective is hajj. Going to Kaaba and saying, would you marry me, won't actually facilitate my hajj. It doesn't. But that is a method. But it's not for the sake of hajj. If I want to pray, and I learn the rules of fasting, it's not going to help me much. Allahu Akbar, MashaAllah, at the time of Fajr, khalas. Until Maghrib time, brother. I mean, this is a method. But this method is for fasting. See the point I'm trying to make? That we need to ensure that the method that we take to establish the mission of Rasulullah reflects the objective. I don't take the method of prayer to fast. I don't take the method of nikah to do hajj. I don't take the method of hajj to do jihad. So I can't take the method of prayer to establish the mission of Muhammad wasallam. I can't take the method of hajj to establish the mission of Rasulullah I can't take the method of dua to establish the method of the mission of Rasulullah I rather need to take the method related to that objective. It's very, very important. We don't confuse this matter. So don't confuse between method and style, and let us not confuse between method and objective, which comes simply then, what is the method to establish this mission that we have to take responsibility for? Simply put, if we look to the life of Rasulullah from Mecca to Medina, simply three steps, which I'm sure all of us should be familiar with now. If not, what was the book? Did you mention? Meccan Crucible, was it? The simple steps. Rasulullah he established a group to work with him, to support him, to work upon a method to establish the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This group revolved around him. They were the Sahaba, may Allah be pleased with them. And they supported him and they worked with him and engaged with society, engaged with society intellectually to start challenging the ideas of society. Intellectually and start to challenge politically the relationship of those in authority and the ayat of the Quran are very very clear in this challenge <laughs> 
these ayat which came in Mecca in the very first couple of years challenging the practices in the society condemning the gods and condemning the leadership and how they manage the affairs of the society challenging politically the setup, the framework of that society and then seeking seeking the Nusra seeking the support, the power base that will help transform the society and the system from a non-Islamic system to an Islamic system the Nusra which became the people in Medina, the Ansar these were the simple three steps that the Prophet he employed in order to establish the mission which was to establish the authority of Islam politically that was my second point the third point, the final point is how does all that fit in to the issue of what is beyond from Mecca to Medina and beyond because beyond is where we are today the reality is the same 1400 years ago as it is today we live in a situation there is no Islamic authority there that has established Islam that implements Islam number two the ideas prevalent in the society globally and the pressure points are increasing against the noble ummah of Rasulullah our brothers, our sisters the obligation to such the deen falls upon us squarely and therefore we have to then understand well what do I do to establish this mission? well the mission is very clear let us follow the example of the prophets we go to four peace and let us follow the example of Rasulullah in terms of the method to establish this deen and this is one, an obligation, a fark just like your prayers just like our prayers our fasting this is a fart it's not a question of mm, Burhan maybe inshallah no no it's a fart it's not something you can ridicule or just delay for a reason when something is an obligation you only ask the question how? that's the only thing you ask if we're not convinced get the conviction to know it is an obligation but once it's an obligation the best are off you only need to ask the question how do I establish it? So the very first time I came to Islam and, and somebody told me prayer was fard and I was convinced prayer was fard the natural question I would ask is what? How do I pray? Teach me Once it's an obligation I have to do it I don't have a choice We know to establish this deen is an obligation So the only question that remains is how do I establish it? And the only method we have is the method of Muhammad Wasallam. We can't speed it up We can't slow it down We can't make it more efficient It is the perfect method the reality hasn't changed it perfectly applies for us today so it's an obligation it's applicable we have to own it we have to own it it is our responsibility and brothers really I leave just with a couple of thoughts for you really I leave with a couple of thoughts I'm going to give these thoughts from the viewpoint of comparison you know I had the opportunity to travel a lot around the world and meet a lot of sincere and noble brothers and sisters who have committed their life to establish this deen and follow this method of Rasulullah towards making sure that this mission is not a mission of the future it's a mission of today and that they realize it in their lifetime and inshallah we will realize it in our lifetime and really I wanted just I mean there's many stories I would want to share with you about the people I met and how they inspired me how they made me cry when I would listen to their stories and what they did and I think to myself SubhanAllah what have I done in contrast to these people and I just want to give you probably the easiest of stories 
the easiest, not the toughest, not the, the most awe-inspiring, but for what it comes to be like, you know, mundane, you know, a boring one. I flew out to, uh, I flew out to India, and, uh, and I, the brothers, I, they took me to a place, and um, they took me to somebody's house. And you know when you go to somebody's house, normally where do, they, where do they take you? They take you to normally to the living room. So, this brother, he thinks, Brian, we're going to go and, and sit inside the room. So he takes me into the bedroom. Yani, you never take somebody to into somebody's bedroom. This is a private place for the husband and wife. So I walk inside and suddenly I think, something isn't right here. So I said, brother, brother, please, with all respect, you know, do you mind? I feel uncomfortable. Can we just go maybe to his living room? Can we go just somewhere else? Even I don't mind waiting outside. Can we do that? He goes, Burhan, this is his only room. This is his bedroom. This is his kitchen. This is his living room. This is his room. So I started feeling guilty. Because then I also noticed his four children were lying on the floor sleeping, on the, on, literally on the floor. I said, then why are they on the floor? Because, because you are our guest. I said, please don't do this to me. Well, please, you know, just pick them up. No, 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 no. You are a guest. You deserve to, to sit on this. I said, well, like, you don't know me well enough then. <laughs> but anyway, I was quiet. I said, no, okay. But what caught me was at the end, and some brothers may appreciate this, is at the end, he took out some money and he gave it to the brother. He goes, brother, there you go. This is for the da'wah. So I said, subhanAllah, mashallah, look how difficult this brother is, you know, this, I mean, he can't be earning much. He can't be earning much to live in this situation. And yet this brother gave money every month. He gave money for the sake of the da'wah, linked to this mission. So I walked outside with the other brother, I said, brother, you know something? And I feel really bad, you know, you know, subhanAllah, I'm happy, let me give his money, you know, let me, he goes, one, he will never take your money. And he goes, Buhan, by the way, he gives 50% of his salary. Now brothers, for those who know, we think about what we give. Percentage that we give. He gave 50% of his salary. And that, that thing was, now this is, something's wrong with me. No, no, something's wrong with him. Something must be wrong with me. What am I prepared to give? You know, and this started to make me think. You know, when we say this is a mission, and this is our man, the best of creation, this is our example. And he didn't give, he gave his life to be an example for us. And then you work 1400 years later and you find people who give 50% of their income for the sake of the deen, and look how they live. You think, well, why, what am I doing? So really, this mission must mean everything to us. It's not something which is part-time for us. I've got a 95 job, I come home, I've got two hours with my children, I've got one hour with my wife, or at least one minute with my wife, as best as I can to minimize it. And then I'll find somewhere along the line, I'll find some time to give to this, to this da'wah. I give, no, 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 no. As one brother says very, very nicely, he goes, this mission is the sun. It is what radiates heat to everything. And everything must revolve around the sun. The earth, the sun never revolves around the earth. Everything revolves around the sun. Because this mission should be the sun. It is what gives you the warmth. It what gives you the heat. It what pushes you. And your whole life must revolve around it. Not the other way around. 
Because we should not be the people that will be replaced. We should be the people that came to replace those people who didn't complete the mission. Yeah, this is always a du'a you hear people say. Let us be the ones who came to replace, not the ones to be replaced. So really this mission is unique. This mission is a priority. This mission will change the political landscape forever. And we are the best ummah. This ummah deserves to be the best ummah. Know where we are today. We deserve to be the best ummah. Because that's the description Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us. Let us be proud of it. And let us establish this mission the way the Prophet Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sirah, and much more. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com. 